Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time your holster is way more important than you think it is it's just way more important than you think it is what look and i get that the holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please. Don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. It looks like we're going to reopen. Kind of. Part of the country. Whatever. It's still good news. A new bill, an anti-China bill making its way through Congress, which is also good news. And finally, it is Bat Appreciation Day. Yeah, hang on for that. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. The time to rehash old mistakes is gone. Look, we've belabored the point endlessly on this show, and it's Friday, and you don't need me beating that dead horse anymore for you. I didn't like the shutdowns. I thought they were ridiculous, but that part is gone. We got unemployed Americans. It looks like, I don't want to get the cart ahead of the horse here, it looks like we're going to get our arms around this whole pandemic. Death rates are going down. We just had a study come out today out of Stanford that showed many, 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 many more times people were affected than they thought, which sounds bad, except it's not bad. That means a lot of freaking people have had this thing. 
and got by just fine. That means the mortality rate of it is way lower than we thought. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to break down all that. Either way, today had a ton of good news. Ton of good news. Let's focus on the future. And what do we need? Well, we still need to keep focusing on treatment for this virus because let's be honest, it's still here. It's not going to be gone May 1st. It's not going to be gone tomorrow. It's not going to be gone June 1st. It's a freaking virus. It hangs on like a leftist. You can't get rid of the daggone things. That's one. Two, there's a second wave probably coming. And we haven't talked about that a lot. And it's Friday, so I don't want to drag you down to the dumps. But second waves come. And oftentimes, those second waves are brutal. All the fatalities, well, most of the fatalities in the Spanish flu, that epidemic in the, or pandemic, I'm sorry, in, in 1918, they came in the second wave, not the first wave. So let's assume we're going to get another wave of this whole thing. We need to know what we're going to do. We need to have testing ready, which it looks like we're going to. We need to have ventilators ready, which it looks like we're going to because we're the United States of America and we've cranked out more ventilators than we even needed, which we should. We'll have some medicines ready. They're working on a vaccine. They're going to keep studying this thing. America did it right. Well, most of it, whatever. We're not perfect. But let us focus now on not the journalists, not the politicians. Let us focus on the people who are stuck waiting in line at a food bank waiting for emergency food. By the grace of God, we do have a president who hears their cry. Here's President Trump. Governors will be empowered to tailor an approach that meets the diverse circumstances of their own states. Every state is very different. They're all beautiful. We love them all, but they're very, very different. If they need to remain closed, we will allow them to do that. And if they believe it is time to reopen, we will provide them the freedom and guidance to accomplish that task, and very, very quickly, depending on what they want to do. That is outstanding. Thank you, Mr. President. That is outstanding. He can't order anyone to do anything. He can offer guidance. He's offering help. You decide what's best for your state. And I'll tell you something else that's even more radical. Hang on. Hang on for this. It's just a concept I came up with. Maybe even within the states, they can treat things differently. You see here in Texas, it's kind of big. And so if Dallas County, if Houston, where I live, if they're struggling, that doesn't necessarily mean we have to have the same policies here as they do in remote West Texas. I know that's wild. I know it's crazy. But California, maybe if LA's having a problem, San Francisco's having a problem, maybe all the rural parts of California don't have to be treated the same way LA and San Francisco are treated. I know this is radical stuff. Nevertheless, maybe we could try that. Sounds like President Trump understands that. Good for him. Let the states decide for themselves. Each state should let the cities decide for themselves. Let us get back to treating this thing as you should treat any virus. Focus on the affected areas. Focus on protecting the vulnerable. Focus on quarantining the sick. You know the way every society has handled a virus forever. Now setting that part aside. I struggle with something. And I really, really struggle with something because most of the time I assume, and maybe this is wrong, I assume that Democrats are obviously awful, but good at politics. They live it, right? They worship the government and they're good at politics. And I, to be honest, lots of times I feel like we're amateurs. I feel like they're playing like professionals and we're playing like amateurs. So I don't understand the Nancy Pelosi thing. I mean, I get how she's the Speaker of the House. She's been there for ages. She's extremely ambitious. She's banked up a million different favors. A person like that is going to get to be Speaker of the House. What I don't understand is if you're the Democrat Party, and this is before she lost uh, you know, control of her, her mouth, apparently. If you're the Democrat Party, how do you let that woman be the face of your party? How can she be the leading voice of your party? You have to be smart enough to know Speaker of the House or not, this person is not this this person is not a good messenger for your party. It comes across as rich San Francisco snob. That's what it comes across. Here's hers. Testing is the key to opening up our country to resume our lives. The White House is vague 
an inconsistent document does nothing to make up for the president's failure to listen to the scientists and produce and distribute national rapid testing. What does that mean? That's, that's not what people want to hear right now. Do you know one thing that has been almost universal, and I've had a bunch of people on this show, on my radio show, to talk about it? The American people have liked Donald Trump's press conferences during this coronavirus. Not even Trump voters. Trump haters have liked Trump's press conferences. Why? All, to a man, they all have said the same thing. It's not political. It's just informative. I mean, most people aren't into politics like you are, like I am. They're paying attention. Maybe they vote. But people like that, they want to be informed. When I tune in and watch the president of the United States during a pandemic, I realize you're going to get other things the rest of the time. During a pandemic, when I tune in, I want to hear information. Okay, am I going to die? Is my wife going to die? Are my sons going to die? Is my mom going to die? I don't want to hear politics. The one thing people have loved about Trump throughout this process is he hasn't been political. He hasn't. And Nancy Pelosi can't help herself. That's all she does is political. Oh, but, you know, she's really in touch with the people. Here she is on The Late Late Show. Enjoy this. This is the episode of Cribs I never knew I needed. Oh, my. Wow. Other people in our family go for some other flavors, but chocolate and then we have some other chocolate here and i don't know why but it seems to agree with me i have a lot of energy and we just got restocked the ice cream uh, right for easter sunday because we were shall we say enjoying i don't know what i would have done if ice cream were not invented let me let me help all of you out out there and this isn't this isn't mainly for you this is for my friends in the political pundit business for the congressmen I know, for the senators I know. Let me help you out. When 30 million people are unemployed, and that number may be low, um, it's not a great time to go on a late-night comedy show and stand in front of your allegedly $24,000 fridge and show off your ice cream collection. Especially when you are the principal responsible for blocking extra funding to small businesses who are dying every single day. I know, I know, that's tough to hear. I get it, but just a helpful tidbit. Here's some audio from old Nance. They're just saying they need, they think small business money needs to go now. Can you explain to those small businesses I'm hearing from them, I'm sure you're hearing from them, who now feel that they're in limbo and don't understand why you would be receiving this uh, money now uh, when they think you can get the rest of the money later as well. Well, the, uh, what is, perhaps it might, um, it might be clearer if you understand. When we talk to McConnell, he says, well, I think that we should do some of that, but let's see how the money that is out there is working for state and local and hospitals before we do more. But let's not see how everything is working when we do state uh, the, the small businesses. Well, we think they all need the resources. Uh, I, they're so tone deaf. They're normally better than this at politics. That woman shouldn't be your spokesman, ever. Oh, speaking of spokesmen, the rumor has it that Vice President, well, Senator, Vice President, now presidential candidate Joe Biden has narrowed his vice president's search down to three people. Just the rumor. Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, and this governor of Michigan. Um, she had a horrible protest where people were honking and clogging up the roads and screaming at her to stop being such a tyrant. You remember, this is the governor that has banned people from buying gardening seeds. And this is what she had to say about it. And so it's that kind of irresponsible action that puts us in this situation where we might have to actually think about extending stay-home orders, which is supposedly what they were protesting. How condescending is that to people who are starving? <laughs> Look, you do that again, I'll keep you home for longer. I guess that's what they're supposedly mad about. Tone deaf has taken on an entire new meeting during this pandemic. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, 
Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, it's not limited, by the way, to uh, Democrats. Mike DeWine says, quote, this is, frankly, much more difficult, but it's what I owe the people of Ohio, a thoughtful response. I also owe them the truth. The truth is that it won't be like it was until we get a vaccine. We have to do the best we can. Who is talking to these people? Until we get a vaccine? We just still don't have a vaccine for SARS. People, there's not a vaccine coming. It's not coming next week. It's not coming next month. I don't care how many ads Bill Gates gets out there. It's not coming next year. You had better find a way to get the United States of America and your state of Ohio humming again without a vaccine. Enough of this nonsense. Stop putting that in the minds of people. It's bad enough you people have put in the minds of every American that, well, if you leave your house, you're going to die in your lung fluid. Best of luck. Now we have to contest with that coming up. Here's Sunny Houston, Houston of The View. She thinks she knows what the protest was really about in Michigan. But I guess I, I just didn't understand the manner within which it was done. Everybody was close together. People were getting out of their cars. They're waving the Confederate flag. I, um, I, I, I thought uh, rather than it becoming sort of a stay-at-home order uh, protest, it seemed to become some sort of racist protest. Uh, you know, forget it. All of that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. And it's a Friday. You know what makes me comfortable? Going to sleep. I enjoy a good night's sleep. How much better do you feel when your head hits the pillow and you actually knock out and you wake up after seven or eight hours than when you struggle to fall asleep for hours because you can't turn this off and then you wake up early and it's turned back on again. And, ah. You don't have to live like that anymore. And you don't have to be popping pills either. Try Ebb Sleep. Tryeb.com slash Jesse. That's EBB, by the way. Tryebb.com slash Jesse. You can find out a better way to live. You see, it's a contraption to put on your head, and it provides continuous cooling to your forehead, putting you to sleep faster, keeping you asleep. Do not forget to use the code Jesse at checkout because it gets you $25 off. Again, tryeb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Start sleeping like a baby. What's going to happen to China? Maybe a lot. I have to tell you, I know you're going to find this very, very shocking. I'm a bit of a cynic. I tend to predict the worst and yes you could be like jesse but you're so smart and handsome you're always right and a lot of that's true i mean let's be honest all of that's true but i have throughout this process you've heard me say it many times i'm worried that nothing is really going to happen to china i've been worried that one china flexes its muscle muscle mu it's friday shut up china flexes its muscle they they make cheap goods people like cheap goods have you ever been to walmart People like cheap goods. That's just the bottom line. Companies like cheap labor. And China has known this. China has exploited this fact. And throughout this whole thing, I have not taken a lot of stock in all the anger I've seen from people. I mean, yes, obviously, I think people were blaming China. You should blame China. It is China's fault, after all. But people get caught up in their anger at the time, and they say things they don't really mean. When's the last time you got in a fight with the wife? Did you say anything you really meant there? Or didn't mean there? Yeah, that's how it works. I'm mad at China, and China's going to do this, and China's going to do that, and we're done with China, and we're, let's have war with China, and China, China, and then all this passes. Economy gets going again, or maybe the economy isn't quite going again. And maybe we have some inflation. I mean, we've printed like $6 trillion. Maybe we want some cheap goods. Where are we going to find those cheap goods? That's been my worry. But, look, I hear, thing, I hear things like this from Senator Lindsey Graham. Gives me hope. If it were not for the irresponsibility of the Chinese Communist Party, there would be no pandemic in the world. Americans would be alive today, and 22 million people would be at work. 
China's responsible. It's time to hold them responsible. They're the largest state sponsor of pandemics in the entire globe, and they need to pay a price. I like that, and he's right. And what does give me hope? See, I'm going to be sunny, Jesse, today. It's freaking Friday, baby. It's, it's Friday. It's time to be sunny, Jesse. So let me give it to you. Maybe enough people have been hurt by this, enough countries have been hurt by this, that maybe we actually will see some progress. When I'm seeing these economic numbers out of Europe, I know what they are here. Who's been telling you that from the beginning? When I see the economic numbers out of Europe, I think, ouch. We're talking five, six, seven, eight, nine percent complete economic retraction in Europe. Maybe, just maybe, at the back end of all this, they're going to be hurting badly enough that they're going to want to join with us to economically punish China. And understand this. Anybody who sells you anything else besides economic punishment is either naive or they're lying to you. We can't have a hot war with China. You heard Jim Hansen talk about it the other day. You heard that retired Brigadier General from the Air Force, Spalding, talk about it the other day on our China special. There is, well, we can't get to China. They have a ring of intermediate missiles around China. We can't get there. This has to be fought economically. And it can't just be fought by us. We like to think that. I like to think that. It's America, baby. Hot dogs and fireworks and screw everybody else. And normally I would agree. But if you're talking about economically punishing China, we can't just stop buying their goods and have everyone else go back to buying their goods. That doesn't work. Everybody has to decide China needs to pay for this. Maybe they will. Representative Dan Crenshaw has a new bill out on it. Check this out. Quote, we need to hold the Chinese government accountable for their malicious lies and cover-up that allowed the coronavirus to spread across the world. The communist regime expelled journalists, silenced whistleblowers, and withheld vital information that delayed the global response to the pandemic. Simply put, their actions cost American lives and livelihoods. This bill will help ensure China's actions are not without consequences. I like it. I like it a lot. You know what? I think we're going to go ahead and get Dan Crenshaw on the show. Not today. We're going get to get him on the show soon. And I want to break down the nitty-gritty of this bill, of what it actually does. And I mean, what recourse do you have? Let's be honest. Look around right now. There are a lot of Americans with quite an axe to grind with China. I'm looking forward to that. All right. We've got a lot more show for you. But first, let me talk to you about Omega XL. Remember, we just talked about the pandemic. I don't know if you've heard, but there's one going on right now. It's called coronavirus. And I don't know if you heard me talk about the second wave that we might get. I mean, history says we're going to get one. And people hear these things and they think, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I have something concrete and specific for you to do. Are you ready for this? Get your immune system stronger. Omega XL is a natural supplement that builds up your own immune system. There is no vaccine. There is no cure. Right now, you can just hit your knees at night, not that this doesn't have some merit to it, and pray to God that you don't get it. Well, what if you prayed and then got up and went and got an Omega XL to make sure that immune system of yours, the one who's going to be, that's going to be doing the fighting if you get it, maybe make sure that immune system is nice and strong. Go to OmegaXL.com slash Jesse. And if you do that, you'll actually get a free bottle with your first order. OmegaXL.com slash Jesse. Go there. Stop worrying about coronavirus. Start doing something about it. Joining me now is the host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Drew Berquist. Drew. Good news. We finally have something to celebrate out here. It looks like the president has said, hey, fire away with your states if you feel comfortable with it. I am, for once, happy about this whole thing. I feel like this is good leadership. What say you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's 
Well, I think it's good for the country. Obviously, there's there's a lot of areas that haven't been as negatively affected by this. Everyone's been affected, but obviously there's a scale to it. So you're getting people to, to open back up. People, you can tell people are, ant are antsy. You know, even in some of the harder hit states, people are like, I don't care. Like, let's get this thing going. But I think it was really smart of him to do that, one, to just give a kickstart to the economy. But two, it also is is not him overstepping and saying, hey, we're the federal government. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to tell you this, that, or the other. He's putting it on the governors, which is also, I think, politically smart. So if something goes wrong there, um, you know, it, it doesn't all fall flatly on him. So I think it's a good thing. There's, there's, there's not much bad about it. I'm sure people are out there saying today, you know, how he's being irresponsible and doing something wrong. But all in all, a good move by the president. Yeah, I think we can reasonably assume that from now on, every single time a Republican opens up, opens up anything, there's going to be reporting of a coronavirus death coming right after that, correct? Exactly. As uh, long as we can match knows. that for every Democrat that wants to release prisoners uh, because they're scared they're going to get the coronavirus, that they go out and murder someone like happened in Florida this week, as long as we can share that news to counter their, their, uh, their just utter foolery on this thing, then, then I guess it's fair. Drew, everybody knows who watches my show that you're a former counterterrorism CIA James Bond type. So I wanted to ask you about China. Do we have, I don't, actually, that's probably not a question I can ask you how many people we have there. I'm assuming we do a lot of spying on China the way they spy on us. Do we, are we equal in the spy game? Are they really, really good at it? Because here in America, all we hear about, obviously, are we busted this Chinese spy. We busted that Chinese spy. They had a freaking Chinese spy driving around one of our senators. They have a Chinese spy in the infectious disease section of Harvard. They have Chinese spies everywhere. You don't necessarily hear about American spies in China, which is probably a good thing. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spies. Are we as aggressive as they are, or are we more hands-off? I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I think, look, the, the way to look at it is this is we're one, we're very, you know, we're knee jerk reaction folks. We were as a country, we have a shiny ball. We focus on that. And then we've got a couple other dull balls that are over here that we look at. And and obviously China and Russia are always among those. Those are big rivals of ours. They're big enemies of ours, trade partners as well on certain things in, in the case of China. But but they're enemies. They're going after us. But you, so so you got to you got to think of it. One is is always expect the U.S. intel community, military communities to be focused on what is most important then, whether that's ISIS, whether that's Iran, whatever it is, we tend to go way too overboard into one topic. Then the second thing is, is we are the big dog in the planet. We are what everyone is trying to be. So Russia and China are, are going to do anything and everything they can to undermine us, get as good as us, which is never going to happen because we're amazing. Um, but to get as good as us and then try and supplant us and take over as as that global leader. So to answer your question, I guess we are working hard there. There's tons of operations against those two big state actors, China, of course, being the biggest, but not necessarily to the scale that they are, just because they've, you know, they've got a chip on their shoulder. They want to be us. We've got a lot of other people who don't like us that we're having to divert resources to. So it's it's not necessarily even, but it's also not just us abandoning the mission either. Are they better at it than we are? I don't know that they're better at it, but I think that they, you know, across the globe, and it's not just China and Russia, but Russia's a great example of it, they don't play by the rules that we do. And, and this was really, really bad on the Obama administration is, you know, we would have our hands tied so often on, well, the rule says this, or international law says this, or it's just the nice thing to do to do it this way, which is, of course, not what we were doing. Our goal was to go find people, you know, collect information, and then and then have, have them take a dirt nap. Um, like, that's the goal of what you're doing. It's a dirty game. We tend to play by all these rules. They don't, so they get a little bit further than us. I don't know that they are trained better. They just operate within a different confine of, of rules and regulations than we do. That sounds to me like they do it better. I like I like my spies to be relatively rule free, but look, that's just me. All right, that's that's setting that part of it aside. We have things like there's a new bill from Dan Crenshaw coming through Congress allowing American citizens to sue China. Is this something that's awesome? Is this just something that makes us feel good? I have a very difficult time believing that the dictatorship in China is going to get sued by Jesse Kelly because, you know, like, like they're part of my HOA or something like that, and they're going to stroke me a Chinese check. Yeah. 
Look, I think it's a feel-good thing. I think that, you know, what Americans want to see right now is that blame is placed squarely where it should be. And and China obviously was behind this. They they sheltered information and, and tried to make themselves look good. All the while, everyone else is suffering, and now the whole globe is, is dealing with this. So I don't think it accomplishes much. I, I don't... Uh, look, if people feel good about it and, and it makes them happy, fine. But in the end, much much bigger steps need to be taken to fix this issue and fix future issues. You know, suing another government or another state is is not really, I think, the end the end game that we're all looking for. It's just a it's just a near term fix. What is the end game when it comes to China? Let's assume we get out this we get out the back end of this thing. We're we'll claw back economically eventually at some point in time or through the pandemic. Is it just purely an economic thing? We try to get other parts of the world to join us to hurt them economically. That's pretty much all we can do, right? Yeah, I mean, outside of a, outside of an armed conflict, which no one wants, I think you you know you, you don't want to go to that level, and that's not being discussed or anything like that right now. But but you you, you yeah, it's sanctions. It's taking stuff back from them. Um, you know, which we which I'm a I think a lot of us are a big fan of in the first place. Bring these jobs back here. Bring bring opportunities back here, bring the money back here. So there's there's definitely ways on the economic side that you can hurt them. Uh, but the, the flip side is, is there's certain areas where you still need them. So you're balancing uh, t- on a tough line there to try and figure out what makes sense. But certainly status quo is not the answer. You've got, I mean, and, we, and this is the case with any country, whether it's Iran, Russia, China, you know, Zimbabwe, I hear our relations are great with them, um, all four people there. But like, like you've got to just be stern. Like when people do something wrong, it's like you're, you're raising your children. You, there's, there's punishment, and then you figure out the path forward. If they're doing things right, you praise them, and you expand that relationship. So uh, I, I think that's just how we've got – I think Pompeo has done a really good job of being more stern with these people. But across the board, you know, we can't have Democrats back here siding with China in the World Health Order – uh, um, organization, excuse me, when all this is going on just because Trump's in office. There's got to be a collective response that America rocks, we're going to take care of America, and we're going to try and take care of other people too, but you've got to play nice and you've got to cooperate. Drew, you mentioned the, us focusing on the shiny ball and ignoring the doll balls. Let's assume Iran and Russia and China are all shiny balls. Is there an enemy out there that nobody really talks about but is most definitely an enemy? Obviously not on our level or otherwise we'd hear about it, but is there somebody out there who's really, really not friendly with us or we're not friendly with them? I mean, not to the extent that, that, that those countries are. Uh, obviously, they're yeah. the big ones. You know, you, you talk about the Irans, the North Koreas, the, the Russia, the China, um, uh, the Chinese. And, and I think that you look at them as kind of your main foes or opponents, if you will. But, there, I mean, look, there's a lot of people who, who don't want us to succeed that want to work with those bigger state actors to undermine us. I just don't think any of them are on that level. I think if you're, if you're going to talk about bigger threats, then you need to talk about things that aren't necessarily geographic. I mean, they kind of are um, geographic, but things like cartels and, and some of the issues we have south of the border that are, are hurting us in different ways that need to be up on that level. But in terms of big state actors, I, I don't know that there's any that, that rival or parallel those guys. Drew Berquist, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Thank you for teaching us about the shiny balls today. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. You bet. We're not done yet. Let's talk about this vice president thing. Hang on. Well, we've talked about this before, and let's touch on it again briefly. Joe Biden is going to have to make a selection for who he wants to be for as his, well, wait a minute. Let me start that whole sentence again. <laughs> quit. It's Friday. Joe Biden is going to have to make a choice for who he wants as his vice president. You see what I did there? That's how you recover people. That's how you do TV. And let's be honest, it matters a lot. And that's weird. And we've talked about it. I'm not going to belabor the point on the show. It's very strange that everybody acknowledges, Republicans and Democrats, how uniquely important Joe Biden's VP pick is. And he doesn't have a lot of good things to choose from. Let's be honest. He made this bizarre commitment that he's going to choose a woman, you know, because that's Democrat politics now. Everything has to be this gender or that color. Uh, uh, You remember Elizabeth Warren's idiotic thing. Well, my my education secretary is I'm only going to agree to it if this transgender nine year old signs off on it. I'm not making that up. That's something really that that's that's really a thing that happened. So he doesn't have a lot to choose from. But 
The weirdest thing I've seen probably is Elizabeth Warren popping up and saying, I'll do it, I'll do it. We have seen the importance of having a leader that we can count on in a crisis. It's not Donald Trump, it is Joe Biden. If he asked you to be his running mate, would you say yes? Yes. Hmm, yeah. He's not gonna ask. He's not, not going to ask Elizabeth Warren. And you know what? Come on, ladies. Act like you've done this before. It goes for you too, fellas. Act like you don't want it. For Pete's sake, be a little standoffish. It's getting embarrassing between Warren and Stacey Abrams. I'm almost convinced it's going to be Kamala Harris at this time, at this point. She's the only one with a little pride left who's like, ah, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. Who knows? And the, why does it matter? I mean, normally VP doesn't matter that much, right? We all understand that. It's just not that important. Well, this is why it matters. Kinds of things that that have to be done. Um, you know, there's a uh, during World War Two, uh, you know, where Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh, you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know the World War Two. He had the war the, the War Production Board. <laughs> All right, sorry. I promise I'm not going to laugh anymore. I want you to watch this one more time. I'm going to play it for you again. And instead of looking at Joe Biden as he reads everything and kind of mumbles it up, forget about Joe Biden. I want you to look at whoever that dude was in the middle and look at the look on his face during this segment. Kinds of things that that have to be done. Um, you know, there's a uh, during World War. Two, uh, you know, where Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh, you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know the World War Two. He had the war the, the War Production Board. <laughs> Sorry. All right, all right, enough. We're going to talk to Cam Edwards about that, and then we're going to pick the greatest Batman ever. Hang on. Joining me now, one of my favorite people in the world, and according to your emails, emails, one of your favorite people in the world, BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards. Cam, how is life on the farm? Please tell me you're still making homemade bacon. Uh, thank you, Jesse. It's good to be here. Yeah, life is good, um, relatively unchanged. We're, we're pretty much homebodies anyway, so uh, our life has not been hugely disrupted. Now, listen, here's the thing. We have not had pigs for about a year and a half because they've been in our freezer and we've oh. been eating them. But <laughs> this weekend, this weekend, that space behind me, we're going to have two pigs, Berkshire Black Hog mixes. We're going to raise them up to be about 400 pounds each. And then we're going to eat them, and they're going to be delicious. I can't wait. 400 pounds? Is that some... Really? That has to be dangerous. No, no. We're, listen, you treat them well. You give them fresh grass to uh, to eat. They they love you. They're I, Listen, pigs are great animals. It is a shame that they're so tasty. Otherwise, I you know I might keep them as pets, but uh, <laughs> now they're right below that threshold. They're still food. <sighs> Well, uh, too bad for those new pigs. Do not ask for whom the bell tolls. Now, speaking of for whom the bell tolls, Cam, uh, stepping away from all the coronavirus and economy stuff for just a moment, we do actually, believe it or not, have a presidential election coming up in November. Uh, there has never been as important a vice presidential selection as the one Joe Biden's about to make, and everybody kind of knows exactly why that is. What do you make of this Elizabeth Warren, this Governor Whitner, possibly Kamala Harris? Who do you think's the front runner? You know, I have no idea because I don't know if Joe Biden knows what day of the week it is. Right? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, eighty percent of us don't know what day of the week it is at the moment. But I, you well, know, I mean, again, I, I don't know what is going through Biden's mind. It's probably you know cheesecake, popcorn, girl bar. He uh, <laughs> doesn't really, and that's why this is such an important uh, a pick for the vice president, right? Or excuse me, for the former vice president. Um, I, you know, I think he wants somebody with experience. I know Stacey Abrams has been publicly lobbying for the job. But you, again, you know, there's a not insubstantial chance that the vice president 
maybe become the president at some point if Biden is to get elected. Uh, I don't think you want somebody with, you know, the lack of experience of Stacey Abrams. But look, every one of those potential picks comes with baggage, right? I mean, Governor Whitmer up in Michigan uh, is ticking a lot of people off with her egregious emergency orders right now. Uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, you know, they didn't really get along too well on the debate stage. So I don't, I don't think there is a perfect fit. Uh, because, quite frankly, I think every choice that uh, Biden has before him has got a fundamental flaw. Yeah, who can forget that wonderful, wonderful debate moment? Maybe my favorite of all time when Joe Biden said he had the support of the only black female senator or something like that of all time when Kamala Harris was standing up beside him. <laughs> all right, be that as it may. Be that as it may. You're in Virginia. Your governor is an insane person. How is the lockdown being received there? He keeps extending it. It's now to, what is it, till mid-May, or is it still June 10th? What is the mood, and what's he saying? You know, that, that's part of the problem is nobody really knows, right? So the governor's order does extend until June 10th, but the order shutting down businesses, I guess, extends until May 8th. Uh, I, I think people are getting a little tired of this. You know, the, the good news is, is that uh, the cases have, have not really overwhelmed the state of Virginia. Northern Virginia has been hit fairly hard. Richmond area has another outbreak. Uh, there's been an outbreak in Harrisonburg, Virginia. But uh, we still have counties in the state that have not reported a single case yet, and that's good news. Uh, along with that, though, you know, the economic pain is real. I mean, here in Farmville, you drive down Main Street, and, you know, every store is closed. Uh, even some of the restaurants have had to shut their doors. Some are trying to, to, to make it. Uh, by serving takeout and carryout, but not everybody's able to do that. So, you know, listen, nobody wants to uh, open up the doors to the economy uh, so quickly that we overwhelm the, the healthcare system, but you can't keep things locked down forever. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, Governor Northam, you say he's been airing on the side of caution. I, I don't even think that's it. You know, I think that the governor is, for whatever reason, uh, and actually, you know, I've got a reason here. Our testing has been really bad, Jesse, uh, in the state of Virginia. It's not where it needs to be. Sure, Governor Northam would, you know, point the finger at the federal government. But uh, at some point, he does have to take responsibility. But I, I think one of the things that may be spurring him to be so cautious is that while the reported cases are not as high as they uh, could have been, uh, the number of deaths, I think we just crossed over 200. I don't think we really know uh, how, how, how much of a handle we have on this at the moment. Uh, but I tell you what, we already had a protest uh, out of the state capitol yesterday. There were several dozen people there, you know, uh, urging the governor to open things up. And I think that those voices are only going to grow uh, in the days and weeks ahead. How rich of a state is Virginia, Cam? I mean, look, people don't pay attention to state budgets. It's boring. It's inside baseball political stuff. But this stuff's going to matter, especially in the coming, you know, days, years, as state budgets have been absolutely incinerated by this lockdown, which I hate, but that's another story. What kind of economy does Virginia usually have? You know, generally, it's pretty good. I mean, Northern Virginia, the D.C. suburbs, they're insulated from the typical recession uh, that we might see every 10 years or so. That's not been the case this year. Uh, and, and with uh, the coronavirus epidemic, I mean, you've got a lot of retail shut down. But, you know, even, even in Northern Virginia, you've got more people than average, I think, working from home, uh, able to telecommute to their government jobs. It, it's really in the small towns, I think, that you're really starting to see this economic devastation. Um, and, you know, and, and I worry about some of these towns being able to come back uh, from these closures because these are, are towns and, and rural counties, quite frankly, that are already struggling to scrape by in the best of circumstances. And this, this will be, I think, unfortunately, absolutely devastating to a lot of them. Cam, look, everybody knows I've lived everywhere, and I love Texas, I love Montana, I love New York City, I love it all. But I'm a bit kind of partial to the rural areas that you just brought up, and I have concerns that as we line up these small towns and murder them, that that is going to drive even more people into Ameri in, in America into the urban areas. Is that unfounded? Is that not going to happen? I mean, I think it's, listen, I think it's plausible, but I also think the opposite is plausible. I think that we could also see, listen, I mean, if you live in midtown Manhattan right now, uh, are you really anxious to, to stay there when things start to open up? Or, or might you start looking for someplace with just a little bit more space to, to roam and to wander where you're not living directly on top of, of your neighbor and directly under another one? Um, I think that rural America has got to look pretty attractive 
to a lot of folks who may be confined in their studio apartment uh, without much space to get outside. Uh, again, look behind me. I, yes, I'm, I'm staying at home, but I can go for a nice long walk every day. I can go hunt turkey in the morning if I want to. I've got my garden growing. And, and again, I, I, I feel very blessed and very privileged, I guess, uh, you know, to, to be living that lifestyle. But this is more approachable for a lot of Americans than I think that they realize. Think about how many of us are telecommuting right now. That wasn't a possibility six months ago. Well, if you can telecommute from your home in the suburbs, why can't you do that on 10 acres in, 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 you know, in a rural county? Uh, so I think this is, you know, maybe it's going to drive more rural Americans to the big city, but I hope that can, we can actually start to reinvigorate some of these small towns and open spaces by by welcoming folks. Cam, I'm extremely uncomfortable with things that I've seen. I'm not talking specifically about just the lockdown stuff, although this ties into it. I can't believe how free these governors and mayors have felt to blatantly violate the constitutional rights of folks. Whether you say virus, nuclear bomb, war, whatever it may be, we here in the United States of America are now throwing handcuffs on pastors for having church services. We put handcuffs on a man who was playing softball with his daughter and wife in the park. These are... This is a violation of our God-given rights. Our Bill of Rights, our Constitution was not handed to us just for the good times. It was specifically there for times like this. And man, it seems that so many people were comfortable just chucking it right in the trash. Well, I think people are afraid. Uh, you know, and, and I think that they are afraid not only of the coronavirus, but they're they're also afraid of, of speaking up, quite frankly. Uh, you know, half of this country subscribes to this notion that uh, the bigger the government, the better. And, and they may not see anything wrong with this. But you're right. I, you know, Jesse, you know as well as I do, my wife has lung cancer, right? She is a, a person who is at risk. Uh, I am taking this very, very seriously. At the same time, I just wrote about a story today for BearingArms.com, a teenager in Wisconsin who was threatened with arrest because of a post on Instagram where she talked about how she was recovering from the coronavirus. And the sheriff went over and, you know, directed a deputy to go over to her home, tell her to take down that post because they didn't want to incite panic. Well, that is absolutely asinine. And the thing is, you know, if these executives do want us to take the coronavirus seriously, then they need to take our rights seriously. Because again, as somebody who has an at-risk person in, in their home, when I see these type of stories, I wanna run out and lick a doorknob. You know, my, my inner rebellious nature just comes to the forefront. So if you want us to be responsible, treat us like adults. You start treating us like kids, guess what? We're going to be the, the rebellious Americans that we always have been. Cam Edwards, give our best to Mrs. E. I know everybody prays for, we do as well on this show. BearingArms.com. Go read his stuff. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Jesse. Always good talking with you, man. Be good. The debate we all need to have. Who is the greatest Batman of all time? It's a no-brainer. I'll tell you in a second. Well, in honor of China... It is Bat Appreciation Day today, and so we are going to talk very, very briefly about the greatest Batman of all time. And I realize that some people have a lot of stupid opinions that happen to disagree with mine, so let me clarify something. It's not George Clooney. It's not Val Kilmer, although he did a good job. It's not Ben Affleck, although Ben Affleck, yell all you want. Ben Affleck was a good Batman. His Batman movies sucked, but that's no indictment on Batman. And no, it's not Christian Bale either. Yes, I love The Dark Knight as much as everyone else, and The Dark Knight Rises, and Bane, and the fancy gadgets, and everything else. I love it. It's awesome. But what was with the voice? You can't talk like... It was awful. It sounded like he had strep throat the whole time. It was weird. You know who did Batman right? Michael Keaton did Batman right. Here's... The 1989 greatest movie of all time as far as Batman goes, Batman. You know what made this movie legendary also, by the way? Not just Michael Keaton. Not just the fact that he played Batman perfectly. It was the bad guy. And what have I told y'all? The reason I miss Hillary Clinton. Because the Clintons were great bad guys. And when you have Jack Nicholson playing a bad guy, playing the Joker... 
that's as good as it gets. There you have it. It's Bad Appreciation Day. That's for you, China. And for the rest of you, the greatest Batman of all time, Michael Keaton. Y'all be safe this weekend. Enjoy your house. See you Monday. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes. Our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to its programs. The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chuck, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chuck for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time hey have you ever used cheapo air for years and i really like it with cheapo air you can book online use their app or even over the phone They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.